The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Living Well with Ann Beal. Our show is a health show, a lifestyle show, and an empowerment show rolled into one. Get ready to hear some stories of success, healthy living tips, and suggestions to get motivated and live your best life. Now, here is your host, Ann Beal. Welcome to the show today. Today, we are actually talking about transitioning. Have you ever considered what you might do someday if you actually changed careers or if you decided to retire, even retire early? Many people wonder about this. Um, I actually have a woman on my show today who has done just that. She was an elementary teacher for 28 years and retired and was very worried about what she was going to do when she retired. But there was another part of her that was very excited about a new adventure to embark on. I have Marilyn Dennehy today, and she transitioned, and we're going to talk about her successful transition today and some wonderful things she's doing with her life, living well and enjoying retirement. And who knows, maybe someday she'll retire again from all the new things she's doing. Welcome to the show, Marilyn. Good morning, Ann. It's great to be on your show. Thank you. Well, you know, you have had a lot of excitement in the last, what, year? Year and a half. Um, Yes, and I did have a lot of apprehension before I retired. It's kind of interesting that you brought that up because I have, well, this is kind of going off the subject, but I had just um, gotten a text from my granddaughter who's getting ready, just completed her student teaching and is getting ready to embark on her teaching career and she was talking about the mixed feelings she had about leaving college and and going into the teaching field leaving all her friends behind and and it was really funny how that really kind of paralleled my retirement because when I retired I was nervous about I had my circle of friends I taught at the same school for 28 years and so it was a big, big transition for me. You did, you were only at one school all those years. Well, it was different building, but same school. Wow. Uh, we we moved and uh, we moved into a new building because the old building had things like asbestos that needed to be <laughs> <laughs> needed to be taken out. You know, it wasn't exactly safe for the children. So, um, but I was at the same school. As a matter of fact. Ironically, the year I began teaching, my youngest of four children was in the third grade, and I took her with me to that school. And when I retired, two of her children were attending that same school. And how old's that daughter now? She is, oh, that's 37. <laughs> that was a hard mm-hmm. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was like, which child? Awesome. Well, that sounds crazy in a way that you were only at one school. So how many principals came in and out during that time? You know, I really didn't have a lot. I um, I had two very long-term principals, 
And then um, I had one principal who came in and was only there for half the year, and we had a um, just a temporary principal until the end of the school year. And then the last principal I was with only just two years. So in so, those 28 years, how many principals do you think? Three? Four. Four. That's, that's right. amazing. Right. I would have thought it had been a lot more. So you had somewhat of an um, – a unique experience then, because I meet teachers and they transfer schools, um, they transfer grades, um, and so no wonder you would have missed them just like your granddaughter, miss your friends and even the building, even which is when you building. still go back and visit too. I go back and visit my, I still have grandchildren at that school and I do volunteer on Thursdays in my granddaughter's kindergarten class. And I'm absolutely loving that loving because that. I'm getting to work with the kids, which is why I taught. But uh, I have none of the uh, none of the extra. You know, when I walk out, I walk out ha- empty-handed. So, so I'm loving that. Yes, I bet you are. Let's tell everyone what you're doing now. And and because I I have watched you, you live a very wonderful life, and you are so happy and so fulfilled. <clears throat> I am. Sometimes I kind of feel like I'm all over the place. And, you know, because when I was teaching, and I absolutely loved teaching, one of the reasons why I retired from teaching was, well, my impending age, and there were things that that I wanted to do. Teaching is a wonderful career, but it takes a lot of time. And there were a lot of other things that I just didn't have time to do. So I kind of feel like I've been all over the place, but I'm finally settling in, I think. Well, you got Um, so excited at all the options. I mean, your whole world was out there. You could do whatever you wanted. Right, right. Like, for example, yesterday, you know, I was able to go. I taught for 28 years, and yesterday was the first day that I ever attended the fourth grade field day (laughs) at my school. Yeah. Because as a teacher, I just, taking time off and having a sub was, it involved a lot of planning. And so yesterday I went, and I actually got to see what the kids did on their field day, and it was a lot of fun. fun. And and it was actually, I went to watch, it was the last group of students whom I had taught before I retired. And so I had all the hugs, and, and I think that's probably the first time that I felt a little bit of the sadness at not having my own group of kids. Well, I think that part of what was hard for you to decide, a lot of people, once you retired, wanted you to babysit or um, come do substitute teaching or just volunteer full-time. And I know for you, you were very careful about that, and you said you were saying to yourself, wait. I have things I want to do. I still have other adventures I want to embark on. Um, I don't want to just turn around and just spend all my time back at the school or spend all your time back with kids because you had some dreams. What were your dreams? Well, you're absolutely right, Anne. And one of my dreams was that um, I, I absolutely, I have a passion for gardening and, and I want to learn as much as I can I I would love to be a master gardener right now my that that goal is being reached simply by going on Google every time I have a question about something but I eventually would like to take the classes but the other thing that I discovered when I retired is that um I did more writing I didn't have a lot of time to write when I was a teacher and I I've started writing down my thoughts and I had I had a a beloved cat that that we had 
I had rescued and my husband, who's really not a cat person, but he had grown to love him too. And I had rescued him and we had, and the, the story behind that, because it took months and months for him to trust us and we rescued him and he became part of our family. And then he tragically had a very short life. And I had posted, I'd written about that on Facebook and I had a friend who said, you need to write a story, a children's book about that. And, and I didn't give it much more thought until after I retired. And then I remembered all of the times when children would come to school and tell me that their puppy had died or their kitty had died or their bird had died. And they're just... There were two or three books out there that you could read, but there just wasn't a lot of literature. And if anyone <clears throat> would know what's needed out there for kids as far as literature, you would. Because yes. you were always looking for books to read to them or get for them. Yes. And when I'm writing, when I'm writing now, that that's where I was going with that, is that I've I've learned that I love writing. And when I'm writing, I did go ahead and write that and put it into a book. I'm I'm looking into having it published. And when I was writing, I would always have, not only in my mind what I was writing about, but I would always have a vision of a group of children sitting in front of me because I know how children react to literature. And, my, and uh, Mike, my husband, even said to me one time, he said, that's kind of a big word, isn't it, for kids? And I said, well, yes, it is. But I said, you need to understand that when you're writing for children, sometimes you want vocabulary in there that's going to have them question. And then you stop and you talk about it. So I always have that goal in mind when I'm when I'm writing. And, and then I have another idea for a book, but I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, at a standstill on that one. My daughter has a dog, Dan. And is that Digger Dan? You're that's writing that book? Digger Dan. Digger Dan. And he... He is, he's hilarious because he digs in the yard. He'll dig and he'll just stand there and bark at, at the, the hole. hole that he's <laughs> dug all day long. And I was at her house one day and I just looked at him and I said, you know, we need to call you Digger Dan. And then I was like, that would be a good book. So I'm kind of, I've kind of gotten started on that, but I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm, I guess they call it writer's block. Well, the truth is, and artistic people really crack me up because the truth is you've already written the first book and you're already having it put together for a book and you already have an illustrator who's done all the pictures. <clears throat> so all you guys are doing is collaborating on what pictures you have left best based on the space yes. when you're publishing it. Yes. And so, um, and so that's why you're going on to, because you're done with your part of writing the first book. The story is over, right? You've finished the it story. It is. And I need to get it published because I have a tendency to go back and, and want to rethink things too much. But you're not doing that because I saw this book. I right. saw it in, you know, uh, you've got the, it's it's already almost completed as far as the format. Yes. 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 You're very humble and that's good. That's I wouldn't yes. want you to be like, oh, yeah, I've done so many. Um, but you you are like, you have these ideas, Digger Dan. And listening to you because immediately I thought you we could you could do one on Water Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> the water wolf yes. that swims in your yes, pool. I could. I could. I <laughs> yeah. could do that. So I always have those ideas. And even when I, I had thought, uh, there's there's a few more of those out there, but I had thought about doing a gardening book for children because, you know, kids think of gardening as just gardening. But I can't tell you how many times I have found things in my garden. Like um, just the other day I found when I was gardening, there was a baby bunny out there. 
Mm. And one time I found a whole nest of baby bunnies. Well, you know, that's stuff that kids don't think about, you know, to think, to look a little deeper when they're looking around that what might be, you know, you just, you look at the surface, but if you look a little deeper, you might see something else. When I was young, I remember our class going to um, Pinnacle Mountain, which was a mountain in Little Rock by us, <clears throat> and they marked off a square. Yeah, the the nature yeah, right, right, guy right. took us out, and he he had everyone sit, and he marked off a square with a for us. He um, and everybody had that square in the grass, just the grass. And we were just supposed to stare at it and write down everything that we saw. And we had to see at least 10 things. And we were all like, what? Grass. Right. Oh, dirt. You know, and then the more we looked, the more we saw. And it was amazing what was in just a square foot of grass. And so I think gardening, what a great idea. You'll combine both of your loves. Now, Marilyn, you know, I look out where we are right now is up in her, um, what what do you call this room? It's a beautiful room. My guest bedroom. Well, it's a guest bedroom, but it's like an attic bedroom kind of. It's beautiful, and it has um, kind of a, what do you call the ceiling? It's beautiful. It just goes up and over. And there is a door out to the balcony, which overlooks a swimming pool, which overlooks an acre of beautiful, beautiful landscaping. She calls it her garden. Well, you also do have a garden out there. Yes, I do. That's like huge of of what? What is in your garden? Well, Anne, you're so kind to say that because you see the flowers. There's lots of weeds. Oh my out. gosh, there there's so of, many flowers. There are a lot of weeds out there too. But in my garden right now, I have this is a small goal since it's not quite as big as my writing goal since I retired, but one of my smaller goals since I retired is to grow tomatoes in Texas. And so I have tomato plants in my garden. Well, you have you have a lot of stuff in your garden cuz <clears throat> you even have corn. I didn't Which plant, I do, is there corn out there? I, didn't plant, I planted corn last year and, and it didn't do well. Okay, so, so what else is out there? I have I always do uh, peppers. I do well with peppers, and I have um, Brussels sprouts and cabbage and cantaloupe. I planted cucumbers. So you know that's the Iowa farm. There's girl. a lot more than that, but Iowa that's off the top of your girl. head. You're getting well, and then I put a lot, and then there's a lot of wildflowers out there too. It is so beautiful. Like you, you told me those are larkspur out there. Yes. Um, but when I look out this balcony, I see huge poplar trees. Is that what those are? Yes. Yes. Pine trees, peach trees, um, dogwood trees, or is that uh, red um, red bud? I mean, red it's just bud. beautiful. Yes. Red, yeah. Just lot, redwood. A lot of crepe myrtle. Crepe myrtle. A lot of crepe myrtle. And I, we don't have the time here, but I there's a story to go with every plant because I don't spend a lot of money on plants, but every plant has the story to go with it. Well, a lot of Some, them are labeled. So you actually, all the flowers you take and you say you deadhead them or something like that. Yes. And, yes. and get all the seeds. Yes. And then you transplant them or plant them. And begin them, and then you take them to the schools, and you actually develop like a, what do you call that, like a garden center? or? Well, we have a garden center at our school. And you and created uh, that? No, I didn't create it. Um, it was, it was, I think, actually, McDonald Lumber. Uh, McDonald Lumber, that company? They donated a lot of the materials. We have a beautiful gazebo in our outdoor learning center. So did you help with that? 
I did. Oh, I was okay. Because I, I know that, you. Yes, I was on that committee. We, um, Mary Bynum, who just who was lasted longer at my, she was the only teacher who had been at my school longer than I had, and she retired last year. She was a PE teacher, wonderful teacher. I don't know how many years. I think she started teaching when she was 12 because she had a lot of years in. So you didn't put in the gazebo and you didn't put in the fence. But it's no. big and it's beautiful. So who planted all that stuff? Well, a lot of it was the kids. We yeah. would we would get parents to come in. We used to, um, it, it kind of, we really worked hard on it for a few years. And then for a while, you know, everything kind of goes with the curriculum. And for a while, it kind of died out because we just. But know. it looks pretty now. Yes. I've yes, seen it. Yes. Because you, you were over there working. And so that is a passion for you to do that in schools, maybe, to bring that kind of beauty and gardening and all yes. that to the yes. schools. Yes. <clears throat> what a wonderful thing. And I know that my daughter, when she went to Westlake Academy, they had a garden that they worked, they, they, they let them work in a, a section of the garden per grade. And, and it was very, um, she just loved that. Well, when I was teaching, we actually, it was kind of funny because I had, my daughter's neighbor was, was an elderly lady and she had this plant growing in her front yard in a pot. And I asked her what it was. And she said, that's a cotton plant. Wow. And so she gave me some seeds off it. So I took it to school, and, and one year, my children, uh, we went out, my class, we went out and we planted it. And then, of course, the following year, in the fall is when, well, I say in the fall, we start school in August. So it was late summer. I took my class out, and we looked at how the plant was developing. But, you know, it's not just about gardening. There's so much more that you can do with kids. I had actually, I actually... Um, research cotton on how it grows and I created a, a, a reading passage that the kids could read ahead of time and for their reading comprehension and then when we went out to it talked about the different stages of development on the cotton plant you know how it started with the different colored blossoms and how they change colors and then you get the cotton balls but it's b-o-l-l-s mm -hmm. and um, what they look like and then finally when the cotton erupts and so we talked about all that, and we read about all that, and then when we went to the Outdoor Learning Center to look at the plant, the kids were so excited because they were able to identify all of those plants, and it was so fun for them. But And then there's so many other things that we did in that Outdoor Learning Center. When we did our mapping, the kids would go out, and we actually, they would actually draw a map of the Outdoor Learning Center. We would, um, you know, of course, I'd have to tell them which direction was north, and they would put that on their map before they went out. And then um, they would actually draw a map. And it was so fun for them. We did listening exercises and talking about what you did when you went to Pinnacle Mountain. Yeah. We did kind of the same thing in the gazebo area. We would go out and sit. And I would have them take their journals out there and close their eyes in for about five minutes, which five minutes with a group of second graders not talking is a very long time. Very long time. <laughs> and they would list all of the sounds they could hear. And it was amazing. Some of the children would hear so many sounds and some just couldn't. They just, they would be like, I didn't hear, really anything. hear anything. That's that noise in their head. They couldn't get past yeah, that. Yeah. You know, as you talk, what's interesting is you've done strength finders. 
Yes. Um, you took that test, and if anybody's interested, it's Strength Finders. I think now it's 2.0. You find it in the business section of the bookstore. Um, a lot of businesses use Strength Finders to find out what their employees' top strengths are. And for coaching, we do that too. And then, you know, that way they know where to best put their employees. And for you, you did Strength Finders. And what was your number one? My number one was, it's funny what my number one was, because I don't really see myself that way, but it's connectedness. Con but you believe everything's connected. And it talked about that. Well, the connectedness means that. Right. And so you definitely see that in plants and gardening and even with the kids in the garden. I mean, there's so much, you know, when you think about the way the earth and people are tied, you know, the way that we are perfect when we're out in nature, what happens yes. to us. And so there's so many things about that. And then you also have de develop developer. I'm trouble talking today. <clears throat> and by the way, my allergies are seems to be bothering me a lot the last few weeks. All these flowers, all these Anne. flowers. Oh my <laughs> gosh! And I know they're everywhere. Yes. And when I saw her place, I mean, you guys have to see it. You look out; it's just a paradise. Um, so, for you developing, it says you like to develop things. You like to develop people. You like to take things and make them grow. And when you talk about the kids, I see that you do that. You love to watch them develop. And you study and you uh, find ways to help them learn better. And I see that with the cotton and your plants, too. You study. You're like, I remember you saying, I wanted, to, I need to find out with the tomatoes. Okay. And we went and saw P. Allen Smith, one of my friends. Yes. Um, and he was talking about tomatoes. And if you want to grow tomatoes, then the the middle number on the fertilizer, which is what? What number? Is that the phosphorus? What is that? I think it was phosphorus. Yeah, it needs to yes. be higher yes. than the other two. And you're like, he said, uh, if you the first number is higher, you'll have beautiful tomato plants, but no tomatoes. Which I've always had. Which you've always had. <laughs> and always you're like, had. that's the key. That's what's wrong. And so you knew then how to get your beautiful tomatoes. So now you're yes. on a mission to perfect the tomato to get in my Texas. Tomatoes. Yes. Yes. And so that's part of developing. Yes. And, and there's so many, like your five strengths, when I read them last night, they all perfectly go together for what you do and all your passions, whether it be, you know, writing, you're still wanting to help children. And there is a innocence, a beauty in children. There's just this wonderfulness. And, and I notice you love animals and I it's do. the same way. And when you look outside the way that you want to, you say gardening, you know, and it's all kinds of plants. And you take these plants and you love giving them to other people. I do. I do. I love sharing them. <laughs> I, I, my, my daughter, she gets, I get so tickled at her because she'll get her spade out and say, well, I got to go plant shopping at mom's. And she'll come with her spade and we just walk through the yard and dig things up. Now, my son, on the other hand, I have four children, and only two of them have my passion for gardening. But my son, on the other hand, is, you know, I don't, he's 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 a guy. He loves Home Depot. So he loves to go to Home Depot. Yeah. <laughs> and find plants. So. Oh, he finds anyway, plants at Home Depot. Yes, he finds plants. And I always tell him, son, you don't have to buy plants. You can, I have them everywhere. But he likes Home Depot. He like, that's so, why. He wants well, the excuse to go Home Depot. Yes, so he'll yes, tell his he wife, does. I'm buying plants. Well, in my pots, I had some couple of empty pots. And you're like, oh, I will fill them. And she put herbs in one. 
And of course, you did it like P. Allen Smith said. I was yes. like, oh, you did it exactly like he said. You've got your thriller, which is the beautiful one. I think yes. that was the lemongrass yes. that I saw. And then you have the, the filler, filler which the is oregano. the second level, which is lower, which you have oregano. You had something else. And uh Rosemary. Rosemary. And then you have the spiller that spills over the side. Well, and the that, rosemary will actually spill, spill over because it's a it's not a it's not a I can't remember what that rosemary plant is called called, but it's more like a trailing. It'll be beautiful. Yes. And so will. and then in the other pot you did just pretty flowering plants and pretty plants. Yes. And um I looked at them and I went, Whoa and they're all from your yard. And they're all things that grow well. The thing here I've learned in Hazlitt is that we don't have the best soil in Hazlitt. So I always say if it grows well here, then... It'll then, grow anywhere. Yes, yes. Now that's the black gumbo you have here, right? Yeah, well, it's like a clay. It's, it's, very, it's yeah, like yes, a... Yes. Yeah, and that's what we had at our ranch that we yes. have now sold. Yes. And over at the lake, it's more sandy. It's So I'm all excited about what it's going to be like growing stuff over there. You yes. know, so... Uh, but you definitely... I, I mean, you can grow almost anything here. The only thing you're having trouble with is what? Getting tomatoes on my tomato plants. <laughs> and that's because I am an <laughs> Iowa farm girl, and you have to understand when you plant tomato plants in Iowa, you don't do anything. You just put them in the ground, and you have enough tomatoes to feed the whole neighborhood. Well, and, you know, one of the things about Marilyn is how old are you, Marilyn? I am 66. I had to stop and think. She's 66. She doesn't, doesn't even begin to look 66. She doesn't act 66, whatever you think that would be like. Um, you swim. I do swim. In her pool. You exercise in your pool. Yes, I do. Um, how many laps do you swim? 20. 20 laps. Now, I call it swimming. It's cheater swimming. Well, you're it's, swimming. It's, I'm swimming. She cracks me up. I'm I not a it. strong swimmer. I'm like, whatever. You are swimming. <laughs> um, but she, you know, it's funny. You can tell she has some of this perfectionist in her because... You know, the book's not published yet, and um, she's not a strong swimmer. It means you don't freestyle fast across the pool or anything right. like that. Um, she's not an official master gardener. They didn't used to have those, you know. People were just gardeners. But then when they started getting these classes and license and, or whatever you call right. them, certification right. or whatever, now you're saying, oh, you're not a master gardener. Well, that, that's good. But well, you can easily you know, become that. Could be, because if you think about it, I look at some of the classes that they're teaching, and really, with the computer now, there's so much more that you can learn just by going online. Well, Niels, uh, Niels Berry designed our yard, and your yard is more beautiful. <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't know, you probably could. So part of it is, is Marilyn's life, um, especially, you know, she did make sure that when you, she wanted to retire comfortable, that's why you went yes. 28 years. Yes. Um, and she, and then she had other dreams that she was willing and brave enough and excited about and just went forward to embark on. Um, and so one of the things that I want you to um, say to people to help embolden them that if they're thinking about a new career or they're wondering what else they might do, you know, if they're unhappy, um, other options for them and to step out and be brave enough to um, find other things. Now, you had some ideas already before you retired about what you might do after retirement. I did, um, and as you as you were talking, I was thinking back because I taught for twenty eight years, but I was also I married my high school sweetheart very a year out of high school, and worked as a telephone operator at that time. It was a very good job, 
very good paying job. But I, it drove me crazy. And as I look back, I can see why, because you had to sit for eight hours a day Staring and at, look at a, mm. stare at a computer. And that's not me. I have to be moving and doing things. So um, I was a stay-at-home mom for a lot of years before I went into my teaching career and um, was 30 years old when I went back and got my degree. Well, and so let's... So Stop that was for my th- first transition. That was your first, well. Yes. Yeah. From, it, from being a stay-at-home mom to, being a few a, to the working world. And I, and I think that's why women, they'll say they, they have, I mean, women have many crises. And I think that's why they say men have a midlife crisis because they don't have usually anywhere near as many. <laughs> women have lots of them. And so we will talk a lot about your transitioning to help embolden people. So stay tuned and we'll talk to you soon right after the break. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. What makes you the best you can be? Is it money? Is it success? Maybe it's love, a good career, home and family. Could it be a bit of all of these things? Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola, along with her featured guests, will bring you the tools that could be the answer to the questions you've been asking. You'll get to the root of some of the problems that have been keeping you from being the best you can be and tackle them head on. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Most married men experience frustration because there are things they want from their wives but don't know how to get them. Nothing seems to work. Desires are unfulfilled, fantasies unrealized, and relationships become stagnant. Men are desperate today for a richer, deeper, more satisfying, and intimate marriage. Dr. Jim Slaughter teaches men how to have the passionate, fulfilling marriage they've always wanted. Call 817-991-4964 or email jslaughterphd at yahoo.com to begin transforming your marriage into what you want it to be. Are you living your dream yet? If not, then why not? Everyone has a greatness inside of them to achieve what they deserve in their lives. But how do you find the motivation to get started? Tune in to Your Authentic Life with host Susan Cranston. Susan's advice, along with expert guests, will help you improve your relationships, start or change your career, and achieve the seemingly unattainable goal. Listen live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. This is Ann Beal with our guest today, Marilyn Dennehy, a retired teacher of 28 years working with elementary students and um, now gardener and writer. And who knows what else is ahead for you, Marilyn? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm always thinking. That's one of the things when you're, when you're a gardener, you have lots of time to think and to pray and to just imagine and vision. 
Well, and um, if you guys want to know more about Marilyn, um, I just want to mention that the show page at, at voiceamerica.com, if you go there and you choose the Living Well show, um, you will be able to read all about her. And um, so I just want to remind you that's there, and you can always uh, read about our guests that way when they come um, so you can find out more or if you want to know how to reach them. Uh, I do want to mention right now, though, Marilyn, if people would like to ask you questions about gardening or publishing for children – you know, and you can give them what you know so far. <clears throat> How would they do that? How would they get a hold of you? How would they get a hold of me? Uh, well, they could get a hold of me by email. That's mmdenehy at aol.com. Great. mmdenehy at aol.com. Right. And you would love to hear from them and give them tips? I would. I would. <laughs> I love. Well, you saw that when you brought those empty pots, there's nothing... I, when, when I see empty pots, it's like I get excited over yeah, you, empty pots. <laughs> <laughs> she was talking about, well, on break, about, you know, she's she described herself as, she goes, is it a problem that I'm an introvert? And I was like, no, not at all. I mean, what? It, it's You have to be an introvert in some ways to be a writer and to garden. Because so I was like, I saw you out there for like four hours working in your garden. And you were just as happy as you could be. When I say, Marilyn, what are you doing today? You're like... Or what are you doing tomorrow is what I said. And you're like, well, I don't have to know that. I'm retired. But I, I knew what you were probably going to do. Well, and that's the beauty of retirement. It's 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 not so much, you know, I, I think a lot of people think of retirement as you get to sit and watch TV and eat bonbons. And it's not so much that. It's that you get to do what you want. Yesterday, I got to go to field day at my school and just enjoy watching the kids. And I didn't have to worry about whether or not they were behaving or whether or not they were following the rules because I was in just spectator mode. I wasn't in teacher mode. And then I had a lovely lunch with my daughter. And then I came home and and um, I thought, this would be a lovely day for a bike ride. And so I hopped on the bicycle and I went riding for a couple of miles and I had never had that time before. You know, I, I told you I married young and then Mike and I were blessed with three children within the first five years of our marriage. So, um, and then I went right into teaching. And so this is the first time in my life that I've really been able to just spontaneously do things. And teachers, you know, they work a lot, especially elementary teachers. I, I, I think I've always kind of thought of elementary school teachers as workaholics because they work more than any other teachers I've seen. Maybe not band directors or coaches or something right. like that, but you guys put in the hours. Well, we do, and a big part of that is the teachers I know who spend the long hours, it's because there are so many things demanded of teachers that they have to do like a certain way that they have to put their lesson plans in. And then, so if you want to really come up with creative lesson plans and just new things that aren't in the curriculum, just new ways to teach the things that are in the curriculum, you have to put in the hours. Well, and I think that that is the difference, isn't it, between a really good teacher and an okay teacher. Because for you, when I hear you talk about all the prep and the things that y you truly were meant, I mean, your skills, when I hear your skills and your strengths and everything, they were perfect for teaching. And I'm so amazed that you found that out. Because, you know, nowadays, as you know, kids are trying to figure out what they want to do and they have so many options and, and more than they possibly even could imagine. 
When you were doing the telephone operator, how old were you when you were on the switchboard or whatever I you were doing? I was telephone operator. I must have been 18 because I graduated from high school at 17. So and when did I you marry? 18. Um, two months before my 19th birthday. So you married at 18? I did. And then you became, you did that, you found that job as a telephone operator? Yes. And I, and I worked that job until um, the, the next, then we had our first daughter the, 10 months later. <laughs> and then I was a stay-at-home mom after that. How long? Well, when I went into teaching, she was a senior in high school. So 18 so, years? Yes, 18 years. There, there's a theme here. Yes. 18 and then 18. 18. Then 28. Then 28. 28 years of teaching. So, (laughs) yes. Maybe I'll have 38 years as an author. Yeah, that would be awesome. (laughs) That would be awesome. Or 38 books as an author. Oh, there you go. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Well, the book that you've written on grief for children, I've read it and it is so sweet. So sweet. I got a tear. I did. and I, I just, you know, what a great idea that is. And there aren't very many books out there on grief for children. No, no. And so, you know, that was a great niche for you to come out and with a book. really more for pet grief because, um, you know, that's, I think that's the way that children learn to deal with grief is in the loss of a pet. And it, it is usually their but. first... Um, experience with loss usually is yes, through a pet. Yes, yes. And how a parent handles that is very important. And I think there are, you know, there's a lot of parents that are afraid that their kids will, they don't want them <clears throat> to feel that pain. So if they have a hamster that dies or something like that, the parents will run out and get another one and put right, it in there right, so the kids right. won't have to feel that pain. And I, I don't think that they realize that it's... um that the kids are learning in a safe yes, way yes. how to realize about life, that it can be gone at any time, and, and, but yet be able to learn that in a way that they can handle that. You know, and yes, it's painful. It is very painful. Even as an adult, <coughs> excuse me, even as an adult when you lose a pet, a pet it's painful. The longer you have the pet, right, the right. harder it is. And um, I know that I've had people that, and I didn't understand at first because I hadn't had pets that had lived that long because I had moved so much, you know. And um, I was dating a guy and his dog of like 20 years, the whole time he grew up, maybe longer than that. Yeah, because he was like, yeah, 22. His dog died. He was devastated. I mean, devastated. And it lasted a very long time. And I didn't really understand that very well. I thought, well, it's just a dog. But sure enough, eventually I had that experience. And it made all the sense in the world. Right, right. Right. And so experiences that you've, that you've if you've already gone through a similar experience, even mm-hmm. if it was smaller or even a lot smaller, you have the skills to know how to cope with it the next time. And, um, and that's the skills kids pick up that they can handle it better. It's like it makes them more strong. It makes them uh, more resilient to experience. Not yes, that you want and it's to- part of life. I had that experience in the classroom one time as a class. We had, um, back in the day when we were allowed to have classroom pets, I always had a classroom guinea pig. I love <laughs> guinea pigs. They're just the sweetest animals. They're they don't bite like hamsters that the kids, I mean, they just, they're very personable to the kids. And, but we had our classroom guinea pig and it passed. And so I had the dilemma, what should I do? 
Should I tell? Well, it it didn't. The children didn't witness the animal actually dying. Yeah. But I had the dilemma: What do I do? Do I just make up a story that the guinea pig just disappeared, or do I tell <laughs> them the truth? Well, I opted to tell them the truth, and I read them the book, "The Tenth Good Thing About Barney," which is one of the few good books out there about um, the loss of a pet for children. And and then we sat down as a class assignment, and I had them write about all of the good things that they remembered about Micro Piggy. And it was <laughs> you called so them Micro because you micro know now piggy. they have those. Yes, they do have yes. those mini Micro Pigs now. But this is a guinea pig you're talking. This about. is a guinea pig, <clears throat> and it was. And then they, you know, and then they draw their picture. These are second graders, and it was a very good experience for them. And then they shared. You didn't just pretend okay. that everything was fine and move on with the day? No, no. It's I life. Just the truth. Let's because they would have had a question. Like I said, they didn't witness the guinea pig dying, but, but I would have had to tell them where it went. And you understood that some of the kids would be more emotional than others. Yes. Some of them yes. really needed you know, that time to grieve. Yes. And uh, you took that time, and it's very important. So that was good. And I, I, I read your book. I was so excited. I know my daughter read it, and she started crying. And um, she loved it. And it is interesting. Is Ashley or Katie? Ashley. Yeah, yes, Kate, yes. Katie hasn't read it. Katie hasn't read it, has no. she? No. And, um, you know, it's interesting how we can cry and feel so good after. Like when you see a really good movie and it was had some sadness, some tragedy in it, and you come home and you've been crying and they're like, what happened? Oh, it went to a great movie. It was so good. And they're like, well, they, duh, yeah. you're crying. <laughs> like, yeah, it is interesting. And that's the best way to grieve. Yes, yes. And so I think your book does that. And when you read it, immediately you're reminded about your cat or your animal and some of the things. So you've done it very well. And I think part of that is because you've been a teacher and yes. you've read them. You've read those children. How many books can you think? Like, oh, I've read. Hun I started I've been reading children's books ever since my oldest daughter is. I have to stop and think of how old she is. She's 46. 46. And I started buying books for her the first year she was born and reading to her. So I've been reading children's books for, for I didn't read a lot of children's books growing up. I, I don't know why. I grew up on the farm and I guess. Didn't have time. I guess that was it. Mom and Dad didn't have time. I mean, they were too busy. There were too many children and too much work to do on the farm. But when I How many kids were there? There were, I had 11 siblings. 11. I bet they did not four, have time. <laughs> four sisters and seven brothers. So, but, um, but when I had my own children, I fell in love with children's books. As a matter of fact, my oldest daughter, who's 46, the other day posted on fo Facebook a picture of, do you remember the book, Put Me in the Zoo? Put Me in the Zoo. Yes. Yes. And I just smiled because I remembered how many times I had read that book to, to her. her. That's and she wonderful. had such, she found that book for her granddaughter and had the fondest memories of that book. But I loved that book. Well, and it's funny because I also got into reading that way. I mean, again, my mom, you know, we had, I had, you know, there were six kids Lots and kids. three yes. stepchildren, yes. three step siblings. And uh, so there were nine in our house and six in the beginning and then nine. And yeah, we didn't read that much either. And I was so energetic. I don't think I could sit still. And so, but with my kids, I loved doing that. I loved reading to them, taking them to the library. They'd get in those reading contests, you know, how many books you could right, read. Right, right. And so I would read them with them, you know, when they were younger. And I got hooked on reading that way. And we have so many fond memories of books that they read as well. 
And so it makes sense that when you were thinking about what else you would like to do, you know, how long did you think about that? But, you know, when did that start? Like, I wonder what else I'll do. Like, was you know, it near retirement or? I, I, I don't really think, Ann, that it hit me till after I retired. I, um, I had had my friend comment when I, I had written kind of a summary about Cider. That was the kitty who. Who's who in the book. We adopted. Yes. yes. Um, I had written kind of a summary about that. And on posted it on Facebook when he when he when we lost him, and I had a good friend who lives in Omaha, and she said, "Marilyn, you write really well. You should write a children's book about him." And I just kind of put it out of my mind. And then, of course, with retirement, I had so much turmoil over retiring. I just, you know, that's that was one of the toughest decisions I ever made. And, um, you know, somebody made the comment to me, well, if you wait until you can afford to retire, you'll never do it. Well, and that's a relative number, isn't it? It, it uh, is, because since I've retired, I don't have as much free cash to spend. But it's the trade-off has been wonderful because I have so much time to do the things, other things. And I don't want to say that I love because I loved teaching. But I just felt like before I go to meet my maker. There's a lot of other things I want to try. Well, and I think there's so much more to people than what they do to, you know, for a career. Um, because <clears throat> most people would say, if, you know, if, even if they love what they do, they would say, I would keep doing it, but I wouldn't do it anywhere near as much. Right. Because the reason you do it every day from eight to five or however long you do it every day, even what I do, um, you know, I get to vary what I do. And part right. of the fact that I do so many different things is because there's so much more to me than just one thing. Yes. And so that's hard to do as a teacher. Right. You cannot do that. And so in most careers, you cannot do that. And so the, the great thing is going from one career to a new career or going from one career to more than one, you know, and um, because people, are, people have so much more to them. And there's so many skills that go into teaching that if you had to, if you were going to write a resume and put all your skills down, just like how many skills go into being a mother or how many skills yes. go into being a stay at home mom. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so you were just going to write skills down. You fill up pages and pages. Right. And so your options are incredible afterwards, but a lot of people, they just can't picture it. They just are too afraid. And so for you, the thought of retiring, did it scare you? It really did, because I think I think what you said is exactly true, Anne. I think that I equated my identity with being a teacher. And, you know, teachers, I mean, I felt good about myself as a teacher. I, even though I'm an introvert and not a real confident person, it's not so much that I felt like I was a fabulous teacher, it's that I knew that when I, I, my, my philosophy on teaching was, and I think this is what really helped me to sustain the job for 28 years, was that when I walked in that door, I would give 100% no matter what was going on in my life. But when I left, I was going to live life for my family because family is, for, for me, it's, it was always God first and then family and then my job. So, um, it was, I was in a lot of turmoil, I think, about losing that identity. And also, this 
probably sounds crazy, but being the introvert that I am, I don't go out and make a lot of friends. My friends were at school. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it's been kind of a searching for me, too, to find new friendships. And I still get together with the with the gals that I taught with. Right. We, we go and, and we have... We go and have dinner maybe once a month together, but and I love their company, but I find I'm in a different place, and so I need to go out and I need to find other friends, reconnect with other friends. And you've been doing that that now, and I have been doing that, but it's been a long, it's been a slow process. I think for most people, I think especially for the first six months after I retired, I was just numb. I just I couldn't think about anything. I just had to kind of sit back and just enjoy the not having to get up in the morning and be yeah, somewhere. That is pretty great. And it didn't really hit me right away because for teachers, you know, you have the end of the school year. And and that year for me was a whirlwind because I had so much packing up to do and so much, you know, end of the career type of things to do. And I had boxes and boxes of school things, which are still sitting in, in my other bedroom waiting for my granddaughter to get her first teaching job. But um, when it really hit me was when school started. Yeah, because as teachers, you always have the summer off. Yes. But when school started and I still had time to go swim and I still had time to go work in my garden and I still and I was like, wow, this is this is I could get used to this life. Well, and I was proud of you because a lot of people, kids, a lot of people's kids, um, they're looking forward to their parents retiring or their mom retiring so they can babysit for them or something. Because they think, oh, gr- mom's going to need something to do. And, oh, I'd love for her to be around the kids. And you do love your grandkids. And I you do. love being with them. I love my grandchildren. But I think that um, one of the things you learned is if you don't fill your time, other people will. Oh, Marilyn, come volunteer for this or come do that or, yes. you know, um, Babysit, and you did. You chose to babysit your grandkids a couple, but only a couple days but a week. It's only a couple days a week. Uh, actually, my son had called me because I had thought about subbing, substitute teaching, maybe a couple days a week to just to earn a little extra income. And my son called me, and they had lost their nanny. And he said he asked me if I had started st- substitute teaching yet. And I said no, I was going to give myself six months. And he said, well, would you consider this, mom? And they had lost their nanny, and it was a win-win situation for both of us because it's not an all-day situation. But for just now, it's only one day a week. But for two days a week, I would pick up the kids from school and go stay with them until six or six thirty. And so, and and I loved it, especially that first year because the first year my granddaughter was in second grade, and that was the year I taught. And so I would help her with her homework. And I teased my team at school. I said, I have the perfect teaching job this year. I get to teach one student, and she's perfect. (laughs) She's perfect. Yeah. And so it it really was a win-win because you love your grandkids. And so you enjoyed that. That wasn't didn't feel like a job at all. And I had that bonding time with them because they're both working parents. And so I didn't get to – I would see them on holidays, but I didn't get to see them as much as I would have liked to. So so I really – got to have some bonding time with them. I don't keep them in the summer. Um, You know, I've told my kids, if you want to bring them to me anytime you're in a pinch, you can, but I don't want to go to their house and stay because I retired so that I could be at home. And you, and you love your home. I love my home. Yes. Yes. So you um, have done an incredible, incredible job here with your yard. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's provided 
a great apprenticeship kind of for being a, a, a master gardener. And you have everything you need to provide anyone with landscaping or flowers mm-hmm. or anything or the schools. You know how to do it. You've learned so much. And so that is so exciting. And so you have this um, perfect mixture that you can write. You can work in the garden. Yes. Uh, you yes. can go work in someone else's garden and help them. You can take classes, you know, when you want for the gardening. You can go see P. Allen Smith. And yes, I know yes. you knew a lot of what he already what he said. And yet we learned still quite a bit. But you know, if you just learn one new thing. Yes. That's, you know, that was a biggie. That the, the fertilizer was a biggie. I was like, ah, that's what I'm doing wrong. So just learning about the difference in the fertilizers. And and, so. and everyone there, when he came to the area, uh, there were probably 100 or 200 people there. What do you, how many people you think about that? And, and they, yeah, there were probably 200. And they were, there. they were all just riveted on everything he said about yes, planting yes. and plants. And the questions were quite experienced questions. Yes. I was very yes. impressed. I yes. thought these people, know what they're um, doing have been listening to him for quite a while and they are truly um, devoted gardeners that I just want to learn so much more. And, uh, and I'm a novice, of course. I mean, I watch and learn from other people. And, um, and so I just think he's fabulous. If you guys haven't seen him on PBS and KERA, his shows are incredible. Um, And so your life is definitely, when I see it, I, I was like, okay, now this woman lives well. You have um, a suitable income from your retirement. Yes. You realize the joy in pursuing your passions and not let not not settling for something that's just okay. Right. And um, being brave enough to write and hey, I am going to write this book and I am going to get this published. And then you hired an illustrator. Yes. And um, uh, a Meadow Scholar artist, right? Yes. So yes. I was very impressed by and that. Her illustrations are so fabulous. They really are. They look like, uh, I mean, it should I be in a museum. Wait. I'm like, what? Um, so that's very exciting. And I wanted our listeners to hear that you transitioned well. And you still are. I mean, you still want to further both of these things. Anything else you would like to do? Well, there's a lot of little things. I Like I said, I have 11 siblings, and being only off in the summer, I would didn't, we would go for family reunions. But since I've retired, I was able to go spend several days in Tennessee with my brother, who's a doctor there, and his wife, who's also a doctor, and their two wonderful daughters who they, whom they adopted from Russia. And I got to spend time with them, and I had seen them at family reunions, but, you know, family reunions, for as wonderful as they are, you don't get that quality one-on-one time. When you go stay with somebody in their home, you really get to know them. Well, having that opportunity. So I got to do that, and then this last fall, I got to go to Colorado and have a sister reunion there with my three of my four sisters, and we hiked, and we biked, and I almost... No, you don't right. have to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> you, I you, fell, biked, you biked. I biked. Had, she had a little accident. I had a little biking <laughs> accident, but I fell in love with biking again. I mm. had not ridden a bike. I just, I used to bike all the time as a teenager and growing up. I loved biking and I had just gotten away from it. And 
I went out and I started biking and I fell in love with biking again. And I came home and I said, I have got to get myself a bicycle. Yes. And so now you've so, been biking and enjoying yes, it. And yes. so, Marilyn, um, you just seem to really love life. And that is what I wanted to bring to you guys today. And um, if you would like to hear more from Marilyn, you can contact her by emailing her at mmdennehy at yahoo.com. And um, if you would like to contact me, you can contact me at ablivingwell at gmail.com. If you would like to counsel with me or life coach with me, you can be able to do that to contact my assistant at Life Solutions Coaching and Counseling. Dot com. We have a website, or you may call the Center Life Solutions Wellness Clinic, 817-232-1363. We thank you so much for tuning in today to listen to our transitioning to a new career and a new life and doing it well. Thanks for listening, and you guys go and live well. Thank you again for joining us. Living Well with Ann Beal airs live every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to see you again next week.